You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Go to riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. All right, so I preached a lot of sermons here, and I start out by praying. What should I talk about? What should I say? How should I say it? What Bible passage should I use? What should I do with that passage? Should I talk about the history of the passage? Should I just read the passage? Which Bible version should I use? And so many things, and I prayed about this one, and I believe that since it's the beginning of summer, that we should just take some time before communion to ponder these four passages and think about how it applies to your life. So the Holy Spirit might give you something that I'm not even going to say. You're going to hear the verse. You're going to see this blank space. You're going to write something down or, or think something. And hopefully you'll leave here uh, motivated, changed, committed. Uh, you'll see that there is some way for you to use your life for eternal value. And you'll be glad that you came today. So saved from an empty life. As I was doing my devotions and everything, it just popped out. I just kept thinking about it. I, on your bulletin, on your note sheet, I even put it in red there in 1 Peter 1.17 that you know that God pays or paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And I just keep thinking about that. What would my life be like if I didn't have Jesus as my Lord and Savior? What would my life be like if when I was a kid, people didn't bring me to church because my parents didn't necessarily get me to church. So other people would volunteer to give me a ride to church or uh, walk to church or somehow I'd get to church. And my step-grandparents helped to make sure that somehow I was getting to church and they helped me pay to go to Bible camp. So they said, I had a paper out, they said that if I paid for half, they'd pay for the other half. So I believe it was between 8th and ninth grade, I went to camp for four different weeks out of that summer, and that was pretty awesome, pretty influential in my life going to a Bible camp. I lived in Colorado, so it was a camp in the mountains in Colorado, Camp Idrahaji, which is I'd rather have Jesus, and I was a kid that was a counselor's nightmare, didn't totally get the whole church thing until even after the camp, some months later is when I truly got saved, but to save me from an empty life. What if I hadn't been responsive to God's call in my life, but I got saved at a young age. Um, Christ uh, came into my life, even called me to ministry, which would be weird. I thought it was weird because my parents weren't in ministry. They didn't even really go to church all the time. But an empty life, an empty life. I would have been self-directed by my haughty self instead of Holy Spirit-led in that empty life. So let's look at that first passage to ponder. But before we do, um, think about life, okay? Okay. Uh, We live in a weird climate. Uh, People in California don't say, hey, uh, it's it's June. We got to make some things happen now because we got June, July, and August. We got like 90 days to make some memory because it's like going to snow again. And then we're going to be trapped inside. And uh, who's going to want to go outside then? Got to make it happen now. We got 90 days till Labor Day. Got to make it happen and so then, another thing that we do is we come back from summer. Hopefully, you're not going to leave me all summer because that makes me sad when you do that. But if you do leave me to go somewhere else, up to the cabin or whatever. When I lived in northern Minnesota, I thought it was so weird that those people already live in northern Minnesota and they have cabins. It's like, isn't your house a cabin? No, we have a cabin out on the lake. So anyway, 
Uh, things that I like when people are away is, one, if they are volunteering to serve somewhere, if they let me know who they switched with, that's pretty awesome. Uh, or they, at least they have to switch them with somebody. Two, when they're away, if they bring me back the bulletin from the other church, that's pretty cool too, because one, I know they went to church somewhere. And two, I get to see what the other church is doing. Now, I know that two-thirds of the churches still use bulletins, paper ones, not digital ones. But anyway, that's pretty cool. And if you can give online so you can support the church. A lot of people like go on vacation and get vacation pay, so it's not like they're hungry, starving to death or anything like that. But the church still has bills, and it's really awesome when people give online and help support the church. And we usually put the message online so people can listen and stuff like that. But anyway, so we come back from summer, and the question always is, how did you spend your summer? How did you spend your summer? And then people like have all these stories and everything. And I remember there was this one kid. His name was Teddy, and he was in junior high. And so his parents went out west and lived on a dude ranch for like a month over the summer. And that's a good family adventure for their family. And that, that's, they had means. They were able to afford to do this thing. So anyway, so the whole family goes out for the Wild West adventure. And then Teddy comes back to church. And he's walking down the hallway, and he'd gotten taller. I don't know how fast he, his mom was probably like, we've got to buy you new jeans again. Because he just, he like just grew. And I'm like, Teddy, how's it going? And he's like, it's Ted. I'm like, whoa, quite the summer for you, Ted. So anyway, I guess that's what happens in his experience. But there's so many things that you can do over the summer. Uh, Some people are so busy with summer stuff that they put God on hold. It's like, oh, we haven't seen you in church all summer. Where have you been? Oh, I've been worshiping God out in the woods. It's like, okay, well... Uh, yeah, well, hopefully you were able to plug into church somewhere and worship God with other people because it's like a group family uh, experience kind of thing, not just a, a lonely time to take a vacation from God. But there's all these different things that people will do over the summer. Lots of great things. Uh, joyful noise, music conf- uh, concert is coming up. Lots of people go to Bible camp, Valley Fair, these things you see here. Uh, they do all these things. And it's awesome, and it makes memories, and it's great. And we're blessed by having seasons so we actually are able to do things during the different seasons, but it just is a rush for people to try to make things happen over the summer. Then it's like me, where it's like August, and I'm like, oh, I really should do something like significant over the summer. Um, people will say, hey, when's your day off? And I'm like, my day off depends on the AccuWeather forecast. I'll choose a day when it's the nicest outside. So in your lifetime, an average lifetime, the average American spends three years in business meetings, 13 years watching TV, Spends 89, this is an older thing too, spends $89,000 on food, consumes 109000 that must be really old because I think some teenagers spend $89,000 in food over the summer, especially if they're on the swim team. Uh, consumes 109,000 pounds of food, makes 1,811 trips to McDonald's, which our McDonald's employees can probably verify that. Spends 6881 in vending machines, eats 35,138 cookies, and 1,483 pounds of candy, which is why we have the biggest candy store down the street. Uh, catches 304 colds, is involved in six motor vehicle accidents. So if you haven't had six yet, oh, uh, I know, right? Is hospitalized eight times for men or 12 times for women, sorry, and spends 24 years sleeping. So that's one way to do it. Another way is to break it down and say 32.9% of your life is sleep, 22% is work, 11 why is 11% of your life watching TV? Uh, 8.6% eating, 8.6% travel, um, 5.7% illness. I don't spend 2.8% of my life dressing. So, some of you though, yeah. 
why is it 0.7% religion? This must just be normal, like the whole... I know you all are spending more than that with your time with the Lord. But anyway, so those are complicated, right? So let's just make it even simpler, okay? The seven ages of man. Spills, drills, thrills, bills, ills, pills, wills. That's your life. All right, but we need to be saved from an empty life. And First Peter... 117, it says, And remember that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of Him during your time here as temporary residents or strangers and aliens. So this world is not our home. We're just passing through. And we have all these great opportunities to serve the Lord and to know that we have this great future. But this idea of the Heavenly Father uh, evaluating your life, it's not just after when you die or you go to be with Jesus and then uh, you stand before the Lord and he, you give an account for your life and if you uh, have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you're not being judged on if you get to go to heaven or not. You're being judged upon what you did uh, with your Christian life, what you did during that time. So um, if you look at the verb in this passage, it's probably God is evaluating you right now based on the things that you're doing and the things that you're not doing and then uh, making some decisions on uh, what he can do with you, what you're willing to trust him for. So uh, we'd like to think that, you know, we know that Jesus paid the price for our sin and that he loves us, but our Heavenly Father does discipline us as children and has some expectations that we step up in faith and serve him and live for him and say no to sin and do these things that he wants us to do, and that we must live in reverent fear of him during your time as temporary residence. So a reverent fear of God is God is holy, God is perfect, God is loving, and I want to honor him. I know that he looks at my life and the things that I do, and I don't want to disappoint him. I want to do the things that are godly. I don't want to live in sin. I know that he doesn't take sin lightly, so I want to make sure that I live in a way that matters. Uh, Verse 18, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors, and it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was, with, it was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. So the price has been paid. Do you have a ticket? Did you, did you take your ticket? Did you purchase your ticket? Actually, it's free because Jesus, all you have to do is admit your sin and ask Jesus to come into your life and save you. And then you start a whole new born again, eternal life experience. And I did it through prayer. It took me all those years of camp. I, actually, I would go forward all the time. Who would like to pray to receive Jesus Christ? Be like, I would. I did it a lot because every time I sinned, I thought I needed to pray it again. And it's not really the prayer that saves you. It's realizing what Jesus did, that you're a sinner, that Jesus died on the cross, that he rose again, that by believing upon him, you, may be sa- you can be saved and then have eternal life. And so praying is a good way to uh, tell God that you acknowledge that and ask him into your life. And I did it like this. Maybe you want to too. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Please come into my life and save me and make me the person you created me to be. I want to follow you. And that is a way to ask Christ into your life. And if you did that today, that'd be awesome if you let me know. And there's uh, New Testaments on the back table, How to Find God in New Testaments, that help you get started in your Christian life. I can also give you some other resources too that help you to grow as a Christian so, but saved us from an empty life. Saved us from an empty life. So, it gives us an opportunity to know God and to work with Him and to push back the darkness and to be light. So, when we know 
that we are secure in Jesus, we will take risks. When we know who we are in Christ, we want to share him with others. We don't want to keep that to ourselves. If our life is full because of Christ in us, it doesn't mean that we have everything we always wanted. Uh, we might still struggle with bills or not you know, feel satisfied at work or all these you know, struggles in life. But to be filled in Christ, to have a life that is full of meaning and full of hope and full of the promise of eternal life is awesome. And Jesus made that possible. Verse 20, God chose him as your ransom long before the world began, but now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. So back in those days when this was written, you could actually sell yourself uh, into slavery because of your debt. Uh, and then after a period of time, they might let you go. You'd have to work off that debt. And actually, they used to have debtor's prison. Hopefully, they won't bring that back for people that are in debt. But God purchased us. Actually, Jesus paid a ransom to God, not to Satan, to make it possible for us to be made right with God. And these last days, he has been revealed for your sake, which means for our sake, we can know this. We have the whole Bible, Old Testament and New Testament to know what's going on. We have so many resources, so many help. There's no reason why we shouldn't know about Jesus and be telling other people about Jesus. One of the problems, though, is that people have heard about Jesus, but they haven't gotten the right message about Jesus. And sometimes we need to get out there and tell people the correct message about Jesus, and that would be a good thing. Verse 21 through Christ you have come to trust in God and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. We have so much in Christ. We have a full life, not an empty life. He has saved us from an empty life. Number two, satisfied you lived life well. You will come to the end of your life and you will uh, look back on the things that you did and wonder, uh, did you spend your life wisely? Did you spend your life well? So, verse 10, why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me, every knee will bow, and every tongue will declare allegiance and praise to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. And as a church, for a long time before it became popular, we were talking about living a well life. Now I'm seeing it everywhere. Even the furniture store up on the highway has got well inserted. And I had it before them. I can prove it. Uh, I like to think I'm a trendsetter. Maybe it's just a popular thing. I don't really know. But for us, it stands for worshiping, encouraging, or evangelism. It's on the bottom. It's on your bulletin right there. Learning and loving. What are you doing to worship God in everything that you do? You worship God through the way you do your work, through the way that you enjoy God's creation, you can worship God through the way you plant your garden or don't use your garden and the way that you spend time with other people and the way that you choose to carve time out of your schedule to spend time in God's Word and to be praying, uh, to encourage people and to evangelize. That is a lifetime thing. So many people need encouragement. And if you come alongside of them and you are a friend to them, that you are an ambassador for Christ, that's awesome. And there'll be Christians around that you don't really like because of things that they do that you don't like or things that they say that you don't like, or just maybe there's something about them that you don't like. And maybe they're in the process of growing, becoming more and more like Christ. And sometimes in the church, we're so judgmental that we just, we're quick to shoot our wounded. We're like, yeah, you say you're a Christian, but I don't agree with you on that, and I, I don't even like you. I don't think you should dress like that. I, I heard those words that you say. I, you laughed, or you told me a joke that wasn't even appropriate. We can't be friends. And no, 
We're all going to give an account. That person is God's servant. They're going to give an account. They need to grow in their faith and to learn. And you can come alongside them and love and encourage them to think right, to do right, to talk appropriately, to grow in that. And hopefully the Holy Spirit often convicts people of that kind of stuff. But to love, I mean, to love is to pray for them, to care, to serve, to share life, to provide needs, because we are going to give a personal account. So what are you doing with your time, with your resources, with your relationships? Don't wish for a better life. Look around at the life you have right now, or the place you work right now, the neighborhood you live right now, and ask yourself, what is it that I need to be trusting God for and doing with my life so that when, I, when this life is done, I can look back and say, I did my best to live my life well. Number three, staying ready for God to use you. Staying ready for God to use you. Uh, on a Right Now Media service that we offer, we have all these great videos that you can watch. And all you need to do is go to our website and plug in your email address and you can have an account to this media service. And John Maxwell has a lot of videos on there about leadership. He used to be a pastor who does all this leadership stuff. And a lot of resources on there are awesome. And one of the things about Christian leadership or leadership at your work and everything like that is usually people don't come and say, we'd like you to start to, be, to get into the process of, of being somebody that's a good leader. We'd like you to start the process of having these skills. No, usually it's like, we need somebody now. And they look around and they say, okay, Who's, who's, got the, who's got the character we're looking for? Who's got the skills we're looking for? Who's the person that we can pull in right now, give them that promotion, give them that job, make this happen. We got a need. We need somebody to do it right now. And God does the same thing. He looks around and he's like, who am I going to use? Who's being faithful? Who's living right? Who's living in such a way that I could use them? And so this passage uh, in 2 Timothy 2.20 says in a wealthy home, Some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. I'm stuck. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. And when I I first got married, uh, well, we were married for a little bit, um, we had three sets of dishes. So we had like the plastic ones, the daily polycarbonate stuff, the daily wear stuff, the stuff the kids would wear, the stuff that we just used. We had that set of dishes. And then we had another set that was, I don't know if they were glass or ceramic or what they were, but that was the kind when company came over, we used those dishes. And then in this cabinet, we had grandma's china, and those were over there, those were real special dishes. And I'm like, we got three sets of dishes. What do we need three sets of dishes for? If I had my way, we'd just all like have Texas wear and just one set, and that'd be that. I didn't get it. But now, I have two sets of tools. I have a set that I use all the time, and I also have a special set that sits in a case that's not supposed to be used. Somebody forgot to tell my son that, but it's not supposed to be used. They're black, uh, not silver like the rest of them, and they never, ever, ever get, they're supposed to get used unless there's a problem, a crisis, a need, if I need a trustworthy tool, if for some reason something happens. And in our life, there are things that cause us, like my tools, to get dirty or stripped or, or beaten or untrustworthy or uh, all these difficult things. And if we are living our life and we're not confessing sin or we're quick to yield to tempt- to, into temptation or we're quick to get into quarrels or we're just doing this stuff that's not right, then God's not going to be able to say, hey, you are the special utensil I want right now to make this happen. 
you are, you, I need you because you are living in a way that honors me because you have proven yourself trustworthy because when the Holy Spirit gives you opportunity, you step up in faith and trust me, I can use you. We need to be staying ready for God to use us. You might right now think, God, how is God going to use me? But you need to ask. Ask God, how, how can you use me today? Have you ever, do you now, wake up in the morning and say, God, I'm thinking about it all the, uh, yesterday, today. Is there any sin that I need to confess? And then confess that. You look at your opportunities and you're like, you know, I, I'm not very good at speaking or I'm really afraid to share my faith. I, I don't really know what I have to offer, but I want you to know that if you'll help me, I'm available to be used by you. And if you pray that in the morning and tell God that you're ready and you're available, be ready for an awesome adventure as the Holy Spirit uses you. But remember, 2 Timothy 2.22, run from anything that stimulates, stimulates youthful lust. So that's not just uh, the sexual lust. Though Paul told Timothy, he said that you should treat, your, treat women like your mother or your sisters. So when you think about that, that should help keep things in perspective. So treat older women, look at older women as mothers and younger women as sisters. Think about that. So, but other things that stimulate youthful lust, uh, greed, uh, power, all those different things. And instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace, and enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Again, I say don't get involved in foolish and ignorant arguments that only starts fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach and to be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape the devil's trap for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. So if there are people around you that are living in a different kind of lifestyle, you don't agree with that lifestyle or whatever, if they're doing things, even saying things, they have a different political view, all these things are different, you need to think of them as people that are trapped people that are trapped in sin, people that are trapped in the world's ways, people that are trapped by the devil. Uh, and Jesus can rescue them and you need to show them love and to tell them the message and gently wait for them to come around. If you just argue with them and yell at them and try to put them in their place, they're not going to want to approach you in their time of need. Sometimes it takes a while for people to soften up and to come to Jesus. You need to be that special utensil, that special person ready for God to use you ready for those people to call you, to connect with you, to be there for them. How can you do that? What needs to change in your life? And finally, number four, and then we'll have communion. Spend your life on things that matter. Spend your life on things that matter. So this is another passage in 1 Corinthians 3 that talks about uh, being judged for the things in your life. So, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is our salvation. Jesus Christ is the foundation of the church, is the foundation of the Christian life. And then we, through God's power, can have opportunities to build stuff on that. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. So this is figurative. Uh, you can't really put an exact... Uh, parallel value on what is gold, silver, jewels, or wood, hay, or straw. But when you think about it, it's the things that really matter. So the fruits of the Holy Spirit in your life, that's precious metal. That's going to survive the fire. Uh, leading people to Christ, making disciples, 
helping people to grow in Christ, that's all eternal, eternally significant. If you uh, are an athlete and you get trophies, uh, if those trophies don't somehow connect people to Jesus, it's probably wood, hay, or straw. If you have a super fine hot rod and everything about it's awesome and you spend a lot of time with it and in the car club and everything, and all you do is take pride in your possession, you got nothing. But if you use that as a bridge, as a connection to help people come to Christ because you have this and everybody wants to talk to you about it, you can lead people to Christ, then that is a tool and hey, that might lead to something precious. So think about that. Uh, Verse 14, if the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. So it doesn't mean that you just get to quit your job because it's like, well, it's not very significant. I think it's like wood, hay, or straw. I don't really want to do it. Because the Bible says if a man doesn't provide for his family, he shouldn't eat. If a man doesn't, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. If, actually, the Bible says if a man doesn't provide for his family, he's worse than an unbeliever. So work is important. Work is a gift from God. But you've got to figure out how to make your work work for you and work for God. Uh, God often uses your work. Uh, you can pray about your work. I was successful in my work because I prayed about the needs that we had. And they were amazed. They're like, ah, wow, uh, that's pretty amazing. Where did you come up with that idea? And I'm like, well, I prayed about it. And, and some of the people didn't understand that. So then pretty soon I was like, well, I was inspired by Jesus. But anyway, by the Holy Spirit, Revelation 22:12. the guys can come forward for communion. Look, I'm coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. So think about these four passages. Maybe you want to read them over the week for devotions. Maybe you want to think about what is it, and even ask the Holy Spirit, what is it that you could change to have a life that, I mean, you don't have an empty life in Jesus, but to have a life that really counts. I saw a t-shirt actually that says, live your life in such a way that the pastor won't have to lie at your funeral, which is probably good advice. I want to be able to tell people about your great faith in Jesus. And if I die, I hope that you tell people about how Christ was in me and the life I had in Christ. And that many people at your funeral will come forward and talk about how your faith made such a difference in their lives. So guys, come on forward for communion. Uh, Communion is open to anyone who has believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Uh, Paul says, For I pass on to you what I receive from the Lord himself, On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it and he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So all around the world, people take communion. All around the world, people are remembering what Christ has done. And I just love communion because it helps me to have a moment to look back on my life and think about, okay, where am I? Where, do I want, where does God want me to be? What do I need to change? Is there any unconfessed sin in my life? How can I change my course or reorganize my priorities? So uh, as we pass out uh, the bread, hold it. I'll come back up. We'll pray in a minute. But uh, in prayer, ask the Lord to show you uh, what needs to change and maybe to bring to mind any sin that you need to confess. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So just to admit that sin before God. Um, after communion is over too, if you'd like special prayer for anything, uh, we'll, some of us will be up front uh, to pray for you. So, all right, play the music. Let's pray. 
Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you've given us this opportunity, and I pray that these people would understand uh, some of the stuff that I said, even though I was talking kind of fast because I was excited, but Lord, I pray that you would continue to work in us so that we would be so faithful and so grounded in your word and our character would be uh, godly and our values would be strong and that you could take us wherever you wanted to uh, uh, to give us treasure, to give us a better future, to make us the boss at work, uh, or whatever you have for us, that you would know that you could trust us, that you would know that we would be reliable, that you would know that we are living a full life in you, and that we are a tool in your hands to make an eternal difference in this world. Jesus, we thank you died on the cross, making this all possible uh, you are the foundation of our Christian lives. We thank you. We take this and we eat. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. And someday Jesus will return, and the opportunity for people to come and get saved will be over. Someday Jesus will return, and all of your hopes and dreams and the things that you saw in Scripture that you wondered how they would be fulfilled will happen. Until that time, we live uh, responding to God working in our life. We live stepping out in faith. We live asking for things through prayer and thanking God when they're answered and trusting when they're not. We live uh, in a way that the world thinks that we're odd and we're strange, that we're naive because we live as Christians and maybe we're even persecuted, but it glorifies God. And we live in Christ with that great hope that someday he re- will, return, will return and hopefully say, well done, good and faithful servant. So as the cup is passed around, why don't you, in prayer, thank the Lord for what he's doing in your life and praise him. Over the years, I've had so many opportunities to meet old people, like people that lived through the Depression, or <laughs> Dan's waving, uh, people that uh, have life experience. Uh, Life experience in Christ. And a common theme is some of our life was really hard and God got us through. Uh, This road that we've traveled on in life has been difficult, but God has been faithful. And he has been awesome. And he has provided. And I am satisfied with what he's done in my life. And you're going to go through hard times. But know that God is trustworthy and God is faithful. And know that maybe... Maybe what you hope and dream isn't really what's best for you. So I had this opportunity to meet somebody that became like a leader or president of a major steel corporation. And I traveled the world and did all this stuff. And they had resources and they're a great family and everything. But his wife told me, he's like, when we were first starting out, and we really didn't know how things were going to turn out before we had all the stuff and the money, when it was just the two of us scraping by, That was the best time in our marriage. That was the best time in our life. So maybe the things that you hope and dream for, the things that you think would make your life easier, isn't what you think. Maybe it's not the best. Maybe a day-to-day existence, trusting the Lord for your daily needs, is sufficient. But more importantly, you got to look at that list and those passages and think about what can you do right now to live a full life that matters, that makes a difference to the people around because God sees God will reward. Jesus already paid the price. And this summer should be a great opportunity for us to get out there 
and to start bringing in a spiritual harvest of lost people getting saved and saved people getting discipled and discipled people starting new ministries in the church and in our church. And what a great thing. Uh, Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you have given us the breath of life and caused us to live in this place and given us the opportunities to live for you and to serve you and to use the freedoms we have right now, even though it seems like people want to take them away. I pray that you would use us this summer and that it would be awesome. Jesus, we take this, we drink. Amen. Thanks for listening. We invite you to visit River Rock Church 10 a.m. Sundays at 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. You can connect with us, find resources to help you grow in your faith, give online to support this ministry, and share your prayer requests with us at riverrockchurch.com. May God bless you. Share Jesus with others this week.